This week on The Short Game, we transform from mild-mannered podcasters into wall-climbing archery murder machines. Welcome to The Short Game. This is the show where we talk about short video games, games you can probably finish in an evening or a weekend, um, particularly the kind of games that we like to play. That actually doesn't really make sense, does it? Anyway, whatever. We like to talk about short video games and fitting games into your life. I'm Reagan Kelly, your host, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my good friend, Nate Heininger. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Reagan? Um, tell me something about what's new with you, Nate. Uh, I mean, I mean, I just finished playing Tomb Raider, That's... so I'm all I'm all hyped up and feel out of shape. <laughs> feel the blood rushing through your veins. Yeah, Jesus, that is. I'm here too, Reagan. Introduce me. <laughs> I was going to get to you, Shane. How are you doing? This is my good brother and bro host, my twin, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? I'm pretty good. Kill yeah, it. I just finished playing this game. Like 20 minutes ago. I just finished it one year ago. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm like on edge. And I j- uh, just didn't really get around to finishing it yet. <laughs> you did finish most of it. But I really loved it and I'm almost, I swear, I'm almost done. Oh, uh, okay. Well, the game we're discussing this week is Tomb Raider, but not the one that you may remember from your childhood. Uh, we are, of course, discussing 2013's Reboot by Crystal Dynamics. Uh, It's just named Tomb Raider. There's no subtitle on this one, no number after it, but most people will call it Tomb Raider 2013 to distinguish it from the original, Uh, the reboot, and it is a pretty awesome game. Even though it's maybe not the newest game, if it's one that you missed the first time around, you should go back and pick it up, and now there's many different ways to do that. Yeah, uh, we'll obviously get in depth with it later, but I just want to say right out of the gates, Two things about this game. One, this might be one of my favorite games that I've played in the last couple of years. This was one of the most fun games that I've played in a very long time. And two, I think it's a little too long uh, for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're fudging it a little bit on this one because we usually set our max limit. Uh, our goal is to try to pick games that you can play in at the most a week and usually a weekend or even just a single evening. Um, this game I definitely finished in about a week, but that was a week of a, fair, a fairly large amount of playing. I'd say that I beat this game in about 13 hours, maybe 12, uh, and I think it's pretty typical. I was right in that wheelhouse, too. I played the game for about that same amount of time, and I didn't complete it yet. Yeah. So uh, it definitely is a game that it goes a little bit outside of the short kind of our, our short range here but it is a fabulous phenomenal game so i don't want this to sound like we're bashing it though because i thought it was a great length and definitely compared to it still fits our ethos to a degree because it's still 12 to 13 hours is not that much longer than what a lot of games that we do which is more like six to eight to ten hours so it's it's another extra play session it's a game that you can and should fit into your life though and we're talking about fitting games into your life and i think this was an important game that a lot of people missed i played it in a week and i but i played I had like three days off work and I just kind of sat and played it the entire time. Uh, but I don't regret it. I this like I said, this is uh this is one of the most fun games that I've played in a long time and I'm super glad to talk about it. I probably probably wouldn't have played it had we not decided to do it for this podcast. And then everywhere I look online after the fact they're like one of the greatest games of last year, so much fun and it's like I would not have thought a Tomb Raider would be as fun as this. I had exactly the same response. Uh, When this game was initially coming out, I didn't understand at first that it was a reboot of the series. I thought it was another new Tomb Raider game. And Tomb Raider has always been a series of games that's been kind of on the periphery of my, you know, gaming 
awareness. I didn't play the first one when it was new. I know, I think it came out first on the PlayStation. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't Mm -hmm. own an original PlayStation, so I didn't get a chance to play it when it was the new hotness and everyone was talking about it. Um, It had ports to all sorts of stuff. So I'm sure there are probably times when I could have played it. I think it even had a Macintosh port when I was, you know, one of these sad, lonely kids who tried to play games on his, you know, OS 8 Macintosh. Nice. Yeah. But I didn't own that. And I don't think I ever got a chance to play the original game. I've played a little bit of some of its sequels, but they are of such mixed quality and the the series lacks focus to the point where I don't know if I recommend playing any of them today. Um, I, I wound up playing, uh, like you, I haven't really played any of the previous Tomb Raider games. I uh, missed out on the first one and then just didn't feel like I could pick up uh, on all the dense continuity that I'm sure they had. But <laughs> I did recently play on the PlayStation the Laura Croft and the Temple of Light uh, game that they've done kind of an offshoot series that were the Laura Croft games that don't bear the Tomb Raider name. Oh, yeah. Uh, they play very differently. It's like a top-down... It's like a co-op uh, dual-stick shooter co-op. kind of thing, right? That's exactly it. And uh, in that one, she teams up with a eight-foot-tall Aztec fellow, and <laughs> they uh, they solve uh, puzzles whilst defending themselves against wave upon wave of weird monsters. It was actually a surprisingly good game, uh, but I knew it didn't have anything to do with the other Tomb Raider games. Yeah, it's definitely not a mainline Tomb Raider game. Interestingly enough, as a side note, there's a sequel to that coming out. Um, good. Yeah, uh, it's still also unrelated to the mainline Tomb Raider game, so it's unrelated to the game that we'll be talking about today. Uh, and I forget the title of it, but it's a, it's another one titled Lara Croft and the such and such. Um, mm-hmm. And it's still got the top-down perspective and the dual-stick shooter kind of gameplay. The game that we're playing now, I, th- I would say it's almost... Do you think I would be wrong in saying it owes more to kind of more recent kind of puzzle action platformers like Uncharted than to the original Tomb Raiders? I think it's a completely different sort of game. Um, the original Tomb Raiders were a kind of action puzzle-solving um, shooter, but I think that they lent more towards, I think partly just because of the technology at the time, uh, they lent more towards fighting small numbers of bad guys in enclosed small spaces, tombs, of course. Um, And it actually leaned more on puzzles than on action, which I think is a little bit inverted here. And they were not nearly as cinematic. No. Yeah, I played the first one, though I don't have uh, super solid memories of it because I played it, uh, I did play it kind of nearabouts when it came out on the original PlayStation that I had. And that's what caught me off guard the most about this game. I did not expect it to be such an intense shooter. It's way more of a combat game than it is anything else. The puzzles are there, certainly, but they're some of them got me. Some of them were a little trickier than I expected. I, uh, they were uh, they were kind of relegated to these sort of bonus tomb mini uh, levels. Those were the those were the ones that were really like this is a tricky puzzle, figure it out. But even still, like you'd be fighting through a uh, you know wave after wave of bad guys making your way through the crazy awesome sets. And then you'd have to figure out how to drop this bell through a gatehouse and get it perfectly to bust the right hole to jump through. And I played it with uh, I played it with uh, Molly basically next to me the entire time, and we would work together to figure out the puzzles because some of them were a little trickier. But for the most part, it felt like a shooter way more than it felt like a puzzle game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why I like puzzlers. But this was one of the most like energetic and. Exciting games that I've ever played, and that's what I like so much about it. And it is a shooter to a point, but I think I would say it's more broadly a third person action game because there's a lot of exciting 
parts of the game that aren't just about shooting things. There's some sort of uh, traversal platforming stuff that felt really tight and fun. Stealth, um, that was pretty good. Yeah, there was some really fun stealth if you wanted to play it that way. I thought the reliance throughout on the, uh, on the archery was a really nice direction for the whole game. It, it, the, the bow was really the primary weapon in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say the stealth, I'd say about half the time was a choice. And I did not make that choice most of the time. <laughs> All right, well, let's set up the game for people a little bit more detail. Um, so it does play out in a sort of cinematic third-person perspective. You know, you can control the camera. And um, as Shane said, I think it owes an enormous debt to the Uncharted series. Um, you know, when you first start the game, you're seeing Lara as a... She's a younger Lara. She's a less experienced Lara than you would have seen in any other previous Tomb Raider game. So we're really immediately seeing that this is a reboot. This is a, almost a completely different character than we're familiar she's, with. Uh, also, one way I noticed that she was different from previous Lara Crofts is she has just a tremendously increased number of polygons. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the game is beautiful, and we'll talk about the graphics later. Um, but uh, Lara is a young sort of uh, go-gettery uh, archaeologist who's on a team of archaeologists on a ship. She's a young go-gettery archaeologist. Uh, I know, I know. It sounds dorky when I say it that way. And it, it is a little dorky, but that's the great thing about this game is she starts off as this, I, I wouldn't say exactly naive, because she's clearly an uh, independent, excited, educated, energetic person. With actually an interesting background, uh, you get a little bit of a sense that she has a kind of an inexplicably uh, intense amount of survival training in her background, thanks to the weird old guy. And her father. It was like a, com it was a combination of her father and her like mentor, real. I think her father, it seemed he died early on, and this new guy, his name was Roth, was like a father figure who, yeah, mm -hmm. just for whatever re reason, trained her like her entire life to have really intense survival skills. Yes, her her dad was was Indiana Jones, uh, and then Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, stepped in when he died. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And they really gave her all this training that you kind of got the sense she didn't think she needed, um, but then suddenly she does, and she's able to rise to the task. So the, the ship that she's on investigating, uh, what was the name of the ancient... Japanese city that they were supposed to be trying to Yamatai. find. Yamatai. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, There's Yamatai. A, totally fictional. They're they're investigating a totally fictional uh, pseudo Japanese lost city uh, that they think is in the also totally fictional Devil's Triangle, which is a very stormy part of the Pacific Ocean. And they sail their research ship in. Uh, she's accompanied yeah. by her good friend uh, Sam. Sam, mm -hmm. who's also a pretty decent character. Yeah. It should also be noted that they at because this is kind of one of the cruxes of it, at Lara's behest, do they go in this direction? Everybody else on the ship wants to go look for this ancient city in a different way, and Lara's like, no, I've done my research. I'm pretty sure it's over here in the Devil's Triangle. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't call it that for no reason. I think it's this way, and so they go that way because of her, which sets up a lot of her... She has, There's a whole guilt thing that goes that runs through the whole... Uh, uh, the game definitely all from that. So she's accompanied by a myriad of uh, of lovable or hateable stereotypes. She's got uh, her friend Sam, she who's the you know less capable of the two, and uh, she's the good friend and videographer among the group. Mm -hmm. Yes, but her backstory is tied into the mysterious nature. Ah, uh, yes, world. and we'll leave that to be discussed later. And um, then, of course, she's got the uh, the uh, you know sassy black girlfriend, and she's got the mean guy who's kind of a know-it-all and a jerk kind of friend. And she's got you know the, it, a variety of characters that are not as well fleshed out as Lara herself, but who do a pretty good job of making you feel like it's not just Lara completely dropped on her own into a situation. Uh, you feel like she does have a history and a reason for being there, and also a reason to try to escape. Most of the game, she's trying to save her friends from the mess that she sort of gets them into. I was pretty fond of the uh, of all the characters, even the uh, older guy that was sort of 
I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. Roth. His name is Roth. Yeah, her her kind of mentor. We'll 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 recap the plot after the spoiler break. So we you don't need to know much more about the plot. Yeah, let me not spoil anything. I was particularly fond of the guy that was the cook on the ship. I, I thought his character design and voice acting were really awesome. Yeah, and it does have pretty darn good voice acting. Yeah, the whole uh you know, the the thing I started talking about was like the action and the shooting and how fun that was. But honestly, the story is one of my favorite parts. I got a more connected with Lara and the crew th- than a lot of RPG games that I've, or not RPG, but you know, uh, yeah, like character driven story based games. Yeah, character driven games. I think that's the biggest achievement of this game is that it really, really balances the cinematic elements with the action elements. You know, the game um, takes a lot from a game like Uncharted, but something that I think an accusation or, well, a, a slight criticism that you could level at particularly the later Uncharted games is that they are so interested in being cinematic that there are parts of them that have a lot less interactivity than you might want in a video game. Um, and this game, I think, does a really, really good job of balancing that. Uh, so agree. when you first jump into the game and it's still sort of t- showing you the ropes, it's not super interactive. There are a lot of quick time events uh, where you have to you know, press X to not get crushed by a rock or not get impaled on a stick. Um, there are a lot of... Um, uh, sequences that kind of play out and you just sort of have to walk through them. Um, and there's a lot of early stuff like when Lara is first collecting some of the basic equipment that you use, like the bow and arrow, and uh, first learning to hunt, First, you're first getting your handle on the crafting system in the game. Um, that stuff maybe isn't super interactive, but once you get through that first 30, 45 minutes of gameplay and into the real meat of the game, it really opens up and you kind of stop being on rails and you start entering a lot of areas where you can really, it's not quite an open world, but the levels get really large and you can proceed through them in a lot of different ways. It, it's a kind of a hub and spoke level design that gives you the freedom to kind of backtrack all over the map. And uh, so the levels feel and are really, really large. I, I felt and maybe I'm misunderstanding this genre, but there were some real uh, Metroidvania aspects of this game where you would go through a map one way and then cause some sort of event that results you to go right back the way you came with the same exact map, but maybe it's twisted a little bit or you're taking a different route where you're seeing every, you can like look down the cliff and see the part that you already came through. And then you go back up it. And then later in the game, you come right back through the, you pretty much traverse up and down this side of this mountain, like four or five different times, seeing the same set pieces, but acquiring new skills, acquiring new tools and having different ways of traversing the same types of maps over and over and over. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's not quite an open world like you'd find in something like a GTA, but it does that sort of Metroid-y style of, uh, of gating. You know, you it presents a pretty big area for you to explore, and really the only barrier to your exploration is getting the kinds of equipment that you'll need to make it over certain things. Things like the uh, arrow shot with the rope so that you can uh, create zip lines for yourself, or yeah. um, different types of tools that you would use to pry or open doors, things like that. So as you accumulate new new weapons and tools, you open up new types of exploration. And it's, it does have a lot of that kind of Metroid-y feel to it, even though I wouldn't call it a Metroidvania in that it's... I wouldn't... Yeah, I, that, and that's why lots I, I kind of... games have that. That's a you know a classic Zelda thing or, yeah. or what have you. Yeah, but, but it's uh, great. It's definitely well done in this uh, because it feels like it ties in well with the survival aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. That kind of survival element of the game, you know, in which you can hunt uh, for food and things like that, is something that... Uh, you know, and you're always looking for uh, camps that you can kind of camp at to, to do your leveling up. Uh, it's something that I really liked about the game, and I even wish that they had gone further with. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I never found it necessary to do any of the hunting in the game. 
I did unless one of the animals it was basically an easy way to get experience points and that was the main reason that I found that they did it and unless one of the animals like presented itself along my <laughs> along my path I I pretty much uh didn't bother with that well, I think that's part of the way that the game gives you a lot of scalable difficulty. You know, there's a lot of things in this game that are optional objectives. Hunting is a part of that. Things like collecting some of, uh, like it, the game has a lot of collectibles that I widely ignored, but that give you an option to do some extra exploration and add some difficulty. There were tons of weapon upgrades. Tons of weapon yeah. upgrades. I'll say collectibles, it's not like, get all the statues so you have all the statues it was it's a very complex story and the the history of the island that you're exploring is very very uh deep and diverse and the way they handle collectibles is basically by finding them you unlock more parts of the story yeah and and you see it uh the island has been inhabited by a lot of different people and you'll find stories like literally journals or scraps of paper things like that or because that she's an archaeologist uh, even just artifacts and they'll give you yeah. uh insight lara will say something that was about something them. i i liked a lot um i yeah i i'm generally broadly anti-collectible uh i think we all are. they did sort of spread them throughout the levels and so i was picking them up where i found them and uh the items that you'd find you'd pick up and I've seen before in games where the collectibles, you pick it up and you'd look at some kind of 3D object, right? And you get to look around at it. But one of the things I really liked in this was you'd look at the object, you'd twist it, turn it, look at the different sides of it, and Laura would kind of comment on it. You know, you'd flip it around and she'd sit, you know, say, oh my gosh, could this really be a, a 12th century Ming vase? And then you flip it and then on the bottom it says... Uh, like made in China, uh, like in English, and she's like, ah, a fake. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely uh, don't let you forget that she's an archaeologist. Yeah, intelligent and capable throughout the entire game. Oh yeah, and they also, um, when talking about her character, I mean, she is struggling as as struggling as you can have an action adventure, you know, character because she's doing ridiculous things, but she's always like keeled over tired you're stumbling through wounded things. in you're... grisly ways <laughs> yeah oh yeah and thrown just... down a mountainside and I, I mean you know you're you're getting shot a lot and taking so it's not like it's hyper realistic or anything but she they at least do it a little bit where you feel the character getting tired she's sad a lot it, it actually at <laughs> some point she's like always kind of moaning and 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 i'm like oh oh no you know and stuff like that which sometimes yeah some yeah sometimes it got a little repetitive but still they at least tried to make it like this is someone going through something that she had never been through before yeah what is interesting about it is that the game is not realistic and yet it lets you suspend your your disbelief it has a lot that uh, that does have a kind of a realistic feel to it. It's a kind of a cinematic realism, but it it, it worked. It worked really well. Like I got more attached to like Laura and like her story than than many other games that I've ever played. And that we haven't hit on it yet. That made the death scenes all the more painful. The death scenes in this are something that really stands out about it, and you really get set up for. You know, you, if you come into this not knowing that this game has this aspect, I could see being almost shocked by it. I'm not. I definitely I had, was. Yeah. I had no idea. And it reminded me of uh, Resident Evil 4, which had a similar, uh, you know, grisly animated death every time you screwed up. And just such yeah. a variety of different ways to die. And this may sound a little weird, but, like, there's something different about seeing Lara Croft I don't know it's 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 different seeing uh Mr. McShooty man get crushed or shot to death versus seeing this slight you know younger 20s woman getting destroyed impaled, impaled imp through crushed the face. by rocks in ways it's, that you see her expression on her face when being crushed by rocks and you know just which bones broke and you hear them break I mean it's distressing it's, it's brutal there was a uh, so 
I died a fair amount in this game, definitely. I did very well in the combat. I certainly died while in the combat, but I, I handled my own most of the time being able to get through it. I, for whatever reason, was awful at the uh, press Y at this moment. Yes. Oh, yeah, scenes. the quick time events. Yeah, there was a quick time event like early on in the game, and tell me, Nate, if this is with the same one that you're like that you were dying a lot on. It was very early in the game. She had just started to get some of the weapons. She was running through a burning village, and like she's hiding, and some guy finds her in a house, and that freaking guy killed me a million times, and it was so brutal. I actually did okay on that one. I know what you're talking about, though, because I think you'd set that up for me already. Um, I, I died like twice on that one. It is super brutal. Uh, the one that got me, and this is like the hybrid quick time event. Um, you're basically being washed down a river, and your job, you as the player, have to swing uh, Lara left and right to dodge mm. stuff. And then at moments, like you'll hit a barricade and you pull out your shotgun and have to shoot through the barricade before going through it and if you die on it you get impaled by a pole that goes up through her chin and out the top of her head and she goes like ah and just like starts feeling at the pole while looking around and then just like slowly you know dies yeah, yeah. and that one that one i hit that pole like 12 times and none of them were any easier than those. <laughs> it was it was hard to watch and then what's worse is right after that you go into a thing where you're parachuting and if you mess up parachuting you get impaled through the chest by a tree branch and <laughs> so impaling in this well in, at least in this moment there were i impaled between those two scenes which were back to back i impaled laura no less than 25 times and every single one of them were brutal and painful it does make watch. you cringe a bit so you have to have you have to be prepared for that that said i think that a lot of people complain about the quick time events in this game and, uh, you know, I think that's valid if you really, really hate those. But I think that this game handled them better than most. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that those were a super compelling part of the gameplay, but they didn't turn me off the way that I think they do some people. Yeah, I was, whenever the game started, because you go through a couple of them right out of the gates. Yeah. And I was like, eh, is this really, is this what this is going to be? And they don't do it that often. I mean, it's a, definitely a part of the game, but... It's not. It doesn't happen as much as you would think it would. The way the game starts out, yeah. And and I, you, you kind of get into them. Yeah. I, I just I liked this game so much that it, it worked. I eventually it won me over, and I was like, I messed it up all the time. But it does add kind of a dramatic yeah. effect to it. And a lot of them are a part of that balance between the cinematic and the action elements. You know, the these moments when Lara is, you know, when you have when you're having to hit Y to avoid grisly death or whatever it might be. Um, those are really just those moments when the game needs to show you Lara doing something really cinematic and interesting that wouldn't be easy to have you do as a player with the, with the you know, controls and rules of the game. Um, and it doesn't do that so often. It really only does it in those moments where it needs to have a real cinematic moment to bridge the gap between two big chunks of gameplay. In many cases, yeah. I think it does them instead of um, uh, cutscenes. Cutscenes. And the yeah. game has cutscenes, but I think it did a really good job of keeping the cutscenes brief and to the point. I don't think there was a single cutscene in this game that lasted more than two minutes. No, the opener is pretty long, but that's okay because it's the opening to the game. So gameplay-wise, I think we all we all agree that this game just really nails the third-person action shooting style of gameplay. Um, I think in some ways it does it better than what I would normally have pointed to as one of the best in the genre, which would be the Uncharted games. Um, I know that, Shane, you're a huge fan of Uncharted, and oh, yeah. I'd like to know what your thoughts are about the similarities and differences between these two. Well, um, I think they have an enormous amount in common. I think the thing that, to me, really defines the Uncharted series is it's a game that is you know driven by story and great characters, which I, I feel like it shared in common with this. Um, everything you do is really motivated by uh, moving the story forward. And I think Uncharted has a lot more 
interesting platforming elements than this game did, although they both have a lot. This game, I think, does a lot of the combat, I think, a little bit better than some of the Uncharted games, especially the earlier, uh, the earlier ones. One of the things that I think uh, this game does a little bit better than Uncharted would be the kind of uh, survival elements of the game. I really never really feel like Nathan Drake is like in dire peril. He's never thirsty or hungry. He never needs to sleep. He's eminently good at what he does. And that's, you know, just a difference in the character. Uh, I really felt like I had to fight hard as Laura Croft. I think one big difference for me is the way that the uh, action non-shooting parts of the gameplay play out. This game just really, really nails the fun and really hands-on climbing and running and jumping aspects of the game. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I know I've been playing um I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed recently and that game, I think my biggest criticism about it is that while it's cool to move from place to place climbing on top of stuff and making these bizarre jumps and everything, it always feels almost boring to do that because in Assassin's Creed, you just hold the stick forward and maybe hold down one other button and your character is, you know, you could point him at a 15-story building and just point go and he's going to climb over it. And you're never really reaching for things or making those tough jumps or really judging whether you can do stuff. Um, whereas Tomb Raider, and I think actually Uncharted kind of feels the same way sometimes. You In Uncharted, you rarely really have to reach for that extra hard jump or do something that, you know, usually if you can make a jump, it's 100% clear. And uh, it, there, I don't feel like there's quite as much actiony crunchy skill involved oh man yeah i mm -hmm. fell off so many cliff tops and definitely. like they definitely do that where you have to hit the you'll be on a rock face and there'll be a ladder like off into the right and you have to make the jump up into the right just perfect to grab with one hand and then if you only you can catch you can make a clean catch by doing it perfect or you can make like a half catch by missing it and you have like a half a second to press X to grab it with your other hand. And that all feels like you did that like yeah. that. Like, cause, cause you can mess it up and I messed it up all the time. Make the jump just miss and hit my stupid head on something and fall down the mountain and watch her tumble all the way down the mountain screaming the whole time. It's a, uh, I, I definitely, you, it, there is like little baby moments of accomplishments, even in just running and climbing. Mm -hmm. And it nails that even sometimes at the expense of, I think it's very intentional and probably very smart, but it nails that feel even at the expense of realism sometimes because Lara can change directions midair in a kind of a platform gamey kind of way, but it just feels right. And so they go with it, even though they're clearly trying for this realism. Man, the <laughs> so she obviously performs feats of unimaginable skill. But the one that gets me the most is the ability to run, jump, cross a huge distance, and just hit your chest on the uh, opposite ledge <laughs> and just and just catch. Stick it. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like <gasps> on it. And just <laughs> and just pull yourself up uh -huh. every single time. And and since they try to make her like tired feeling every time she's like like screams like ow <laughs> and i'm just like if i did that i would break four ribs fall off the back you know and just and we'll probably not make the jump in the first place but you just these jumps feel let's be honest difficult. we would have all gone gone down with the ship in the first scene in this game. oh yeah you're not getting <laughs> i'm no laura you sir are no laura croft i'm not even on that ship i'm like i'm just gonna i'm gonna sit this one out guys i'm gonna stay home I'll watch uh, the documentary I, I, later. I'm sure it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're catching it on Netflix when it comes out. Yeah. yeah. One thing I really wish that they had incorporated in this game that, you know, back to kind of comparing with Uncharted. Uncharted has uh, one of the ways that Uncharted is cinematic um, is that mo many times through big chunks of the game, you're going along with uh, a companion or a buddy. Mm. And in Uncharted, the levels are a lot more linear than what you've got here. So, you know, that's something that's a lot more possible. Like if in Uncharted, you might have a level that's 
you know, a, a some district of a city that or you're you on are a train. Kind of get to the front of the train. About as linear as it gets. But yeah, pretty pretty linear stuff. Mm. Many very jungle themed hallways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this game, um, I think, really could have benefited from kind of more back and forth with other characters. Even if it was just more of what they were already sort of doing, which is her Laura talking with people over the radio. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it could have used a little bit more interaction with the other characters to kind of elevate them out of the like, I think some of them had a little bit of a Ooh, I'm a stereotype. I'm just here for occasional interaction kind of stuff. Well, stereotypes, uh, there are stereotypes aplenty in the Uncharted games as well. Oh, so but, true. Uh, I, I agree and I disagree. I mean, more character interaction is usually a better thing. You know, you don't want it to be a bathtub story. But I also really like it. What do you mean by it. bathtub what? story? Uh, it's, it's, a, um, it's like a literary term. You don't want to write a story about a character just sitting in a bathtub. Oh. If it's just one person, there's a better way to explain it. But it, if, if it's just one person, then it's probably going to be a boring story. You need other characters to make it an interesting story. More like, like a hot tub story. The prototypical is like a dude just sitting there thinking about stuff. That's virtually impossible to write a good story involving only one person. Yeah. And I, but I thought the characters were diverse enough between the good guys and the bad guys. And, you know, if you don't immediately jump out and kill everybody, you hear a lot of the, you get a lot of the story of the, of the island and a lot of the, story of how the people that you're fighting are dealing with it by listening to the bad guys talk to each other mm -hmm. and it, you kind of that's definitely optional because you walk up to them talking and you can like continue hiding and fight them or you can just jump out there and wail on them true that's something that the game did well there are a myriad ways where the game drops clues about the backstory to you um, it, you know, overhearing your enemies talk to one another, uh, finding kind of journal entries that have been hidden different places. So uh, it, you never really are lacking things that move the story forward. Yeah, I thought there was plenty of character interaction, but I mean, I, I could definitely see more. I, I, vert, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that ever really hurts the story. Yeah, no. Having, having no, no, more. But I don't know if this necessarily needed it. I wouldn't mind a level or two where they where she might team up with Sam a little more or something like that. Yeah, but the things Laura does are so ridiculous. It's it's hard enough for one person to do it. If you've got Sam, this like even frailer like videographer running alongside a mountain as burning embers fall on you and you jump from like swing swinging platform to swinging platform like swashbuckling. Yeah, one of the coolest like design choices of this whole game was that it's basically a uh, collapsing old Japanese fort. So it's all wooden and everything kind of is falling apart. So at, basically as you're moving, everything behind you is collapsing or as you're moving forward, everything is collapsing. And so if you had two people on it, oh. there's so many times where you jump to like a single beam that's being supported <laughs> by like by a single rope that's tied that's like, you know, lodged into a brick or into a rock wall. I can't imagine getting through it with two people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so gameplay wise, I think we've kind of covered all of the bases. I think it's a uh, it's a incredibly tight, fun action game with some great shooting and you know, it just stands out as a super fun game to play. Um, what platforms did you guys play the game on? I uh, I played it on my computer using a PS4 controller. Mm, I also played it on PC um, on my desktop, although it's available for a ton of platforms now. Shane, how did you play the game? Uh, same as you on, uh, on Windows. But uh, I will say that uh, this is one of the first games where I wasn't able to max out all the settings yeah. on my Windows machine. I had to turn one setting off, and that was the beautiful Tress effects. Oh, see, that was... I did not get to experience Laura's flowing ponytail in all of its glory. It dropped my frame rate too much. Oh, I had everything boosted. Oh, <sighs> sweet. Yeah, this was the game that when I first built my gaming... Now, this game is available, I should say, on PS3, Xbox 360... PS4 now, Xbox One, 
Windows PC and also for Mac. So you can play this on practically anything in your house right now uh, if it will run a game. Um, Graphics-wise, it is an absolutely gorgeous game. But if you can, I would encourage you to play it on a Windows PC or you know other equivalent with a decent graphics card. Or you a PS4. A PS4 apparently really runs it very well. Oh yeah, I've heard very good things about the PS4 version. That said, you know they they're marketing it as like the definitive edition i think is the what what they're calling the ps4 version and it may indeed be the definitive edition of the game but you're not really getting any content apart from some motion controls that are new Uh, you're not really getting any content that you won't find in any of the other versions of the game Um, and the pc version looks freaking phenomenal too so if that's what you've got play it there and you can get it really cheap for windows on steam yeah play this game man this game absolutely (laughs) shane mentioned the tress effects thing the game has freaking stunning graphics this was one of the first games i played when i had first built my gaming pc and um uh turning everything up and and you know running the benchmark that this game comes with where it just sort of shows lara standing in the breeze on top of a mountain um putting that on was the first thing that made me think yep this was a good investment glad i bought this thing it looked phenomenal. I had one of the biggest reasons I had a hard time with the, um, what'd you call them, quick time events, the action cutscenes. I would be, I'd just be looking at everything and I would not see <laughs> the little circle near her hand that said press X because I'd just be in awe as like an entire castle is inflamed and crumbling in the background and my character's just because they do it very cinematically where she's not always like dead center in the screen sometimes she's kind of like back into the left and you're seeing a small version of her while you see the whole world and i just didn't see the little x so <laughs> i fell off the map and then you know and that happened to me over and over where it gives you like, more oh, opportunity to see those great I, set pieces i did not did not realize this was a quick time event until i died i'm like what how did i okay game over i just <laughs> fell off the mountain she didn't win she didn't make it well i i would say that um if you have a game a gaming pc i would play this on gaming pc because i don't think you're going to get a lot better graphics on something like an xbox one um or or ps4 but um the ps4 version is pretty new uh, once that falls in price a little bit, I think that would be a great way to play this game uh, or pick it up in a Steam sale. It's been in every Steam sale of the last year almost, um, and you can pick it up for a pretty pretty cheap price. Um, would you guys like to... Now, I know that the story of this game is a lot of fun, but... Uh, I don't think we should spoil it much. Yeah, we don't, uh, and we don't probably need to spoil it much, uh, but... I spent would, enough time talking about the uh, the mechanics of the game to cover that pretty mm-hmm. shortly. But I would like to talk a little bit about Lara's arc as a character. And so because that's partly going to involve some plot details, uh, for those of you who may want to avoid the light spoilers that are probably going to be uh, a part of this part of the discussion, I'd like to go ahead and fire off the spoiler break now. So here it is. This is your spoiler break. <laughs> Like I was saying there, I do think that this game really stands out because of Lara's character and the arc that she goes on. Um, you don't get to see that in a lot of other games. Now, there are games that you know do have a great plot and really interesting central characters, um, but I don't think I've seen a game that transformed the main character with an arc quite as distinct as, as Tomb Raider of 2013. Um, you know, we talked at the beginning about how Lara starts out as this, you know, uh, naive, unsure of herself, and you know, yet really competent and well-trained uh, archaeologist. Uh, maybe uh, not the most action-oriented person, and because she's confronted with these horrible circumstances and has to uh, escape these tombs full of gore and uh, giant sinking ships and gigantic planes falling on her head and all these other exciting things and has to save all of her friends. Um, She goes on this arc of, you know, transforming from this mild-mannered person to somebody who is just a complete insane fighting force by the end of the game, uh, a one-woman army. Um, And I think if you were to tally up the number of people she kills here, I think she kills more people than 
I have had good conversations with. One of the only things that broke me from the game at all is like really early in the game, she is really concerned about somebody dying. Like before anything happens, she's really concerned about somebody getting hurt, somebody dying, maybe having to be involved in somebody dying. And then like she has a real crisis about killing the first person in the game. Yeah. That actually I thought was one of the most effective moments of kind of characterization in the game Mm -hmm. was that she really did not want to go in and kill people. She was put really forced into that situation. But then like three minutes after that, you are just (laughs) just just slaying waves of people over and over. And never again is it like... It does depend a little uh, bit on how you play the game there. Yeah, it depends on the player. Like in my case, (laughs) that, you know, that characterization was effective enough that it really pushed me towards the stealth mechanics of the game. And I stayed kind of as a more or less stealthy player for most of the time I played the game, mm-hmm. it does let you play it in different ways. And, you know, I, I kind probably of. killed more guys with the bow and arrow uh, or snuck past people more uh, more often than I I than think not. that this game, it does have an arc. Laura does have an arc from mild-mannered to killing machine. That arc does sort of lean to the left in that, you know, it... it that that arc is weighted towards the beginning of the story. Once you get into the meat of the story, Lara has already begun her transformation into this badass. Um, although by the end of the game, you kind of see the finish of that transformation. And the last few minutes of the game really left me wanting a sequel because you can see Lara has really turned into an iconic character, you know, something new. Um, that's the thing that I thought really stood out about the ending of the game for me is that, you know, Lara Croft from the 90s was an iconic character, but mainly because of her look. You know, she was a busty woman who wore tiny shorts and it was a look that a lot of the, you know, infantile gamers of the era, probably myself included, um, thought was interesting in some way. But the new Lara is iconic in a whole different way. She's Indiana Jones iconic. She is Star Wars iconic. She has a different feel. She's a kick-ass character. Yeah, she's an ultimate badass and mm-hmm. and a one that you like as like a person because she she seems to be, you know, caring and somebody that you like can get behind, but also she just Again, total badass. It's just it was fun to see to to see that progression. I do have to say that a lot of the the coverage of this game uh, really ag- agrees with what you guys are saying about it. That it's uh, it presents Laura Croft as a m- much more fully fleshed out character and so on. And in comparison with the older Tomb Raider games, it definitely is true. Like in in the original Tomb Raider games, Laura Croft is just a pretty character with, you know, big polygonal boobs for the presumed teenage male uh, player. And in this game, she's definitely a character. She's definitely uh, a great character. But I will say, like, in this game, I still kind of felt like they were presenting a little bit of, of cheesecake to me as the player. And that kind of felt sleazy in some of the same way that the older games always did. Like, there are moments where, like, very frequently, Laura has to, like, squeeze through a tight passageway to move from one area to another. And the way the model is done is it seems very calculated to show off the character's body to eh, you. Really? I don't know. I-, I agree with Shane to a degree. You know, there's and there's plenty of situations in this game Maybe. where I felt like I was being played to as the typical male gamer who's going to want to see hot Laura Croft running around see, in her I, short shorts. She I, remember she climbs that giant tower. You remember like she climbs that giant tower uh, and she, it's freaking ice cold for like 45 minutes of gameplay. And she's pr- still practically, she's still in a, in a tank top. She spends I will give the whole you that. game in a tank top. I will give you that. She spends the entire game in a tank top. She's in the snow killing guys with coats. And she's she's running around in a tank top. And she doesn't ever take one of their coats, which I did. Exactly. I remember that part of the game and think that was pretty weird. I feel I, I, I want to point out first, it was inevitable that our conversation was going to lead towards Laura Croft's boobs. Because every conversation about Laura <sighs> Croft 
inevitably ends in that. I, I agree with you to a degree, Shane, but I also think that they it was something that they essentially had to do. That's part of the legacy of of the Laura Croft character, right? Mm-hmm. Even if back then it was like a hokey. But like, this is a re a com- a complete reboot. Like yeah, they didn't but if they, have if, to do that, if they made her flat chested, wouldn't that feel like <laughs> weird? I don't know. I feel like we have, we have to stop this conversation for a moment and, and say that we are three dudes talking on a podcast <laughs> about an issue that I feel like is inherently difficult for us to discuss without coming yeah. off as either total weirdos or assholes or like, Okay. Says the guy who spent 45 minutes telling me about the maid harem game. Oh, my God. Can we please leave that in the past? Internet, please, please forgive us for anything that may come up in this conversation that that doesn't um, meet the standards to which we aspire. We want to be <laughs> the uh, enlightened people that uh, that you want to listen to on a podcast. And uh, uh, we uh, so first off, I thought that this game did have a little bit of that. Uh, you do kind of feel that, you know, that some parts of the game were directed towards the male gaze, but far less than you would think for a Tomb Raider game. So I did give it credit for that. I, I, I will I will agree with you. This game is not a breakthrough for feminism, you know, in, in, in gaming, but it is better than any previous Lara Croft game. And it seems like it's trying. But I think that's the point, though. Like, they had to do... If it's going to be a Laura Croft, a Tomb Raider game, they had to include that element to a degree. And I think they did it as good and, like, respectfully without making... Like, I never really felt like it was a... It was done just for the male gaze. I think it was done to... To keep that as a, an element of the of the franchise, and not just like oh, check out this like it's gonna be real hot. It's gonna be real hot when she goes through this cave. Yeah, and I mean, and it's and keep in mind also that when she goes through those caves, often we're talking about situations in which she is up to her neck in gore or you know other. I know. How did they know I would be into that? <laughs> <laughs> but, but but no, I think they did do some things really well. They don't story wise she's not like a sex object like she, there's no like love interest in the game the story is the biggest place i thought it it managed to be really um positive she's very focused on her platonic female buddy you know who's also yeah. not you know presented as a love interest for somebody another spoiler aspect to the game this is not a game about a character who you know ever becomes a damsel in distress herself instead uh she rescues her friend who is literally a princess uh, as it turns out, spoiler, we're already past the spoiler break, so it's okay to say that her friend is, in a, in a way, literally a princess, so she literally rec- rescues a princess, a damsel in distress, uh, towards the end of the game in a way that kind yeah. of turns that trope on its head. And even the damsel in distress, like, she tries to stand up for her own, but is, like, a- grabbed by many, many, many guys with many many weapons it's it's not even like a helpless woman in distress it's like a ridiculous situation situation with like monsters and all these other things that the girl uh sam does her best to, to fend for herself and mm-hmm. and survive but just there's not much that you can do in that situation unless you're Lara croft and you have a bow and arrow in which case you can kill everything I feel like the game never felt patronizing. It, uh, the story never made me groan. Uh, I Sometimes I play games, even games that I love, and encounter parts of the story that just make me go, oh, really? You know, so things that sh- things will show up in the plots of games, uh, tropes and other, you know, cliches and aspects that I don't think I would tolerate in any other media, And um, but in games somehow we do. And yet this game never really made me feel that way. Uh, You know, it's not perfect, but it does a great job. Yeah, right there with you. It wasn't a groaner at any point that I can remember. No, I thought the story was really well done and and a really interesting, plenty of of twists. I mean, there were some predictable characters. If we're past the spoiler, you know right away that the... I already forgot his name because he's such a turd. The blonde-haired le- uh, lead archaeologist. The Aryan D-bag. Yeah, he's just a 
he's a jerk from the beginning and you kind of know he's gonna he doesn't he turns on you in a way he's mostly just such a he's so fixated on his own like um, glory as being an archaeologist that he's willing to do whatever so he doesn't directly like turn you in he's more like this will be a great story for archaeology and he gets his you know gets he's willing to, to him, subtly but... allow people to come to harm if it will help him if yeah if it'll make a better archaeological find or, or whatever so you know right away and I mean you can just tell out of the gates that he's a douchebag and he's gonna be a douchebag mm-hmm. there are and, some complicated villains like him and like the other lady whose name I also can't remember at the moment but there's also just the straight up monster villains which you know feel straight out of a good action game there's those gigantic dudes in the armor the the Oni yeah, yeah. The, this game there's that uh, Father Matthias guy yeah, he's just the straight bad guy. And you know, you, you meet him and he pretends to be a friend at the beginning, but he's just disgusting. And you're like, well, that's the bad guy. I know uh, that it, out he, of the gates. He did not have me fooled. No. Yeah. <laughs> he but did I not think. He seemed like a great guy. I don't, I think, I don't know if they, they did not intend for that no. to be. Uh, I will say, too, um, you know, we, we've talked about it in other games. I forget, it's the guy who. Uh, he designed one of the other games we've talked about. You show someone something, let them use it, and then let them master it. I think I quoted a few tweets by Mike Bithel, maybe, that, uh, That's that right. were about okay. that. But yeah. Yeah, this game does that perfectly. And you see the, you you get, like, you the, the main monster things, that they just make, like, subtle appearances, and then you get, like, a rope weapon, or the ability to shoot the rope, and right out of the gates, when you get it, there's like a real simple task that teaches you how to use the rope. And then by the end of it, you're doing these really complicated rope swings. And then you get the ability to fly up the rope using the like automated um, ascender. Forget, like, ascender. Yeah. And it just like the escalation of skill sets is awesome in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question for you guys. Did the supernatural elements that start cropping up towards the end of the game. Did those work for you? I actually, in a way, felt like the game felt more grounded in reality in its first two-thirds, and then it went off the rails a little bit with the supernatural elements, and I wouldn't say that that wrecked anything, but it wasn't... I don't know. I wondered what you guys thought about that. I did not uh, have a problem with it, although I did not get all the way to the end of the game, but I I feel like that's really in keeping with... um, the game that this most emulates, which is Uncharted. In un- the Uncharted games, uh, I think the the first one, just as an example, uh, you get all the way to almost the very end, and in probably the last two hours of the game, you start seeing, like, giant blue freaks. But everything up until that point is just normal human guys. I don't even think you need to to compare it to another series. You can just compare it to itself. Tomb Raider always had you you know, fighting mummies and, and bad guys that were supernatural to a degree. T-Rexes for some reason. Yeah. And so I thought it was great. And you're right that it really culminates in the end, but the whole thing has, you know, it's going to end in that pretty early. Cause the, um, one of the things that happens, you, you very quickly actually are able to get an SOS out to a local, uh, to the military who send a plane to rescue you. And it mm-hmm. happens pretty fast. You're like, oh, crap. Oh, that was a phenomenal scene. Yeah, and because the uh, island that you're on is guarded by a uh, an ancient dead queen, basically, they control the storms and shoot down the plane. And you know right away, like, yeah. okay, there's literally a Something real weird happened there. Wa- you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. Was, I was playing with subtitles on, and, and it had... Um, all that subtitled and, and, and all the time you'd you'd be hearing this kind of windy Japanese voice in the background and what it was saying was no one leaves no one leaves no one leaves yeah and 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 you see the uh, the oni which is the big guardian you see those pretty early on too so the, I thought they did a really good job of the slow build but it's not unexpected I, I thought they handled it really well. So I don't think we could talk about this game without talking about its upcoming sequel just for a moment. Um, 
I am really, really looking forward to Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is coming late next year. So it's not really upon us yet. I think it's coming out in the fall or winter or something of 2015. It's, it's a little ways off. Um, and uh, I was very disappointed recently to find out that it's actually going to be, at least at first, an Xbox One exclusive. Uh, Microsoft has made arrangements with Square Enix, the publishers, and Crystal Dynamics, the developers, to make the game an Xbox One exclusive. Um, uh, and, and at first, when they initially announced it, the trailer, by the way, looks phenomenal. It's exactly what I was hoping to see. You know, it uh, looks like a great game. I can't wait. But um, a little ways after it was announced, it was also announced that it'll be this exclusive for the Xbox One. Now, since it initially was announced that it would be exclusive, uh, they have sort of wheedled out of the Square Enix uh, people. They've gotten them to it to say that, yes, it is a an exclusive with a duration. We don't know how long that duration is. And so we don't know when this game will come out. So I have chosen to think of Rise of the Tomb Raider as a game that will be coming out in 2016. Uh, we don't know when. Um, I would be really surprised if it doesn't eventually hit all those other platforms because it's not a first-party game, and Microsoft uh, can't stop Square Enix from publishing it on other platforms eventually. But when it first comes out next year, it'll be on the Xbox One. I know. I'm, I'm super disappointed. This game was... Uh, obviously, I've been kind of just raving about it for an hour straight, but I just want more of it. And I don't have an Xbox One, and I have no intentions of buying an Xbox One. Mm. I'm completely content with my PS4 and the exclusives that are on that. But, uh, I mean, maybe if it maybe by next year there'll be enough Xbox One stuff that convinces me. But It could happen. This game is... I mean, this is... I'll say this is the first notch in... Uh, the Nate, you should buy an Xbox One um, belt. Yeah, I, I don't know. I good don't know good what metaphor, notch, bro. But Keep using that. <laughs> yeah, that one fell apart at the end. But I, uh, I want more of this. I think they're really doing this to counteract Uncharted Four, which is also announced, and Uncharted Four will be coming out on the PS4, and also coming out towards the end of 2015. And um, I think they really wanted to have something that would be on a level with that. And I do think it's going to be on a level with that. I, I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. Um, and I'm pleased that we'll have both. I'd like to play them both. I may try to borrow an Xbox One or uh, buy one and then return it or something like that just to play this game. <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, hopefully we'll all get a chance to play this game sooner or later. But in the meantime, play the original if you haven't already. And you can play it on practically anything. If you have a game playing device in your house, you can probably play this game. Unless you have a Wii. <laughs> Go do it. Go play it. How much did the game cost you guys? Oh, man. I think I paid like $4. I, I, I know I bought it during a recent Steam sale, and I paid next to nothing for it on, at your guys' behest because I, did, I would not have played this game if you hadn't told me. And I'm very glad. Looks like regular price on Steam is 20 bucks. There's also the yeah. Survival Edition which includes some extra DLC, I'll be honest with you, I don't recommend it. Um, the, the survival edition and also the definitive edition that is, uh, oh, actually, and, I'll, and then above, above that, there's also the game of the year edition. Um, honestly, I don't really know what the difference between those different versions is, except that it, they include different amounts of, um, of DLC. All of the DLC relates to either additional costumes for Laura. Hooray! And I mean, you know, maybe if you want some warmer clothes for her, then, you know, that might be worth paying an extra dollar for. Um, but uh, additional costumes for Laura, eh, well, I don't see the point in that, really. And then there's DLC, like, level packs and things for the multiplayer. We didn't mention the multiplayer in this game because it's not really worthy of mention. Did either of you take a dip a toe into the multiplayer of tomb raider not at once not yet but i actually was pretty excited to give it a shot oh i just love i loved the combat so much that and i also just like playing online against people so i'm a, i'm i'm wondering how many people are still actively playing it i was gonna give it a shot well too uh, i'd like to hear what you think of it but yeah. uh, i think the general uh consensus on it was amazing first you know first excuse me amazing single player game but mm, it's multiplayer has all the same controls, but 
it doesn't I mean, in the game, Lara is not fighting other Laras. You know, she's fighting a bunch of cultists and monsters and other things. And it, yeah, it, it's just a different game when you're squaring off against somebody else with all the same badass skills and weaponry at their disposal. It's a different kind of thing. I don't know how well it works. I'd like to hear your opinion on it once you've had a chance to play it. But I don't think yeah. I would probably spend a lot of money up front uh, getting DLC for that mode if you're not sure if you'll really love it. It's Laura versus Laura. Only one Laura survives. There you go. Any closing thoughts? Anybody want to say anything before we... I don't know, man. I just have really been enjoying the game, and uh, I am the only one on this show right now that hasn't finished it, and I'm really looking forward to finishing it. All right, you do that. I basically ensured that I finished it before we recorded because I didn't want it to be spoiled. I was that invested that I did not want to talk to you guys about it until I was entirely done with the game. That's awesome. Cool. And I had a ton of fun playing it too. Um, this has been a good week uh, for games and I hope we'll uh, see you next time for another episode of The Short Game. Just a note to our listeners, this episode will be followed by a one week break for the show as we catch up and prepare for season two. We have a lot of great games to discuss in the coming months, and we want to hear from you. Let us know which games you'd like to hear on the show. You can send us feedback on Twitter, at our website, or at info at See you soon.